Welcome back to A Dragon Tamer's Fable. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do. This is a full-length novel, and you're going to get lost if you don't start with the prologue. In Chapter 46, a member of the Aller family passed on. In this episode, Chapter 47, the royals continue to mourn, and Seb readies his move against the black market. Alright, let's dive in. It took Vivin another few weeks to be convinced that Seb was truly going to return to his former self. The Imperior Symphony Orchestra had concerts over a weekend in early April. Sebastian and Fauna were attending the opening night, and Felista and Kael the next. Lumen was old enough to be left in Felista's care for a few hours while Fauna left the palace. It took some convincing for Fauna to leave the infant, but once she made up her mind to go, she was buzzing with excitement. Seb had been stressed by work, spending more time in meetings and his study than with his family or Nocte. That evening, he ensured the kids were tucked into bed and returned to his room to fetch Fauna. He was baffled when she was still working on her makeup in her undergarments. After a brief and fruitless argument, Fauna shoved her husband from the anteroom where she was preparing and slammed the door. He stared at it, perplexed. He checked his pocket watch. They had less than 30 minutes before they were expected at the symphony. Vivin came around the corner and gave Seb a questioning look. Seb huffed a sigh and walked over to him. Give us 10 minutes. You're the boss. Vivin left again to reaffirm that the guards were ready to accompany the royal carriage to the symphony. After five minutes, Seb began talking to Fauna through the door. We're going to be late. Her voice was slightly muffled, but since she was only on the other side of the door at the vanity, he could hear her perfectly. No, we're not. Why aren't you dressed yet? I was dressed an hour ago. Seb looked sharp in his black suit and tie. He hadn't worn any other color since his mother's passing, and neither had Fauna. His hair was neatly brushed, and his beard was trimmed. Fauna wasn't going to let him make his first public appearance in nearly two months, looking haggard. I've been getting ready since then, believe me, she called through the door. Seb prayed she had at least put her dress on. He spent the next five minutes telling her to hurry up as he paced in front of the double doors, clicking open and close his pocket watch. Vivin appeared again as Seb was saying, You don't need makeup. You're already going to be the most beautiful woman there. You meant the most beautiful woman in the world, right? Sebastian rolled his eyes and gave Vivin an exasperated look. The older man shrugged with a smirk of amusement. Seb sighed. Yes, of course that's what I meant, Fawn. He gave it another minute. The king and queen can't be late. Fauna was silent. Seb growled at the door and leaned against the wall. Maybe we should just blow it off. Then Fauna, with a tone of unhurried annoyance. For Cayenne's sake, Seb. I'll blow you if you'll stop pestering me. Seb and Vivin stared at the door in shocked silence. Then, an amused grin danced across Seb's lips. Fauna called out in surprise, Wow, did you really want it that bad? Seb covered his mouth with his hand to stifle his laughter, and Vivin blushed. He felt he shouldn't be hearing this. Seb, really? Fauna chastised, followed by a brief silence. The door opened a crack, and she poked her head out to tease him further. The second she saw Vivin, she went bright red, exclaimed a curse, Shit. and tried to squirrel away again. Seb burst out laughing. 
Fauna, no, wait! He grabbed the door before she could shut it, and all but dragged her into the hall. We need to go. She folded her arms across her chest, and the men stared at her ensemble, lost to the moment. Her floor-length, black satin dress had a plunging neckline. Her ivory skin was in stark contrast to it. Her lips were painted deep red, and glinting jewels hung from her earlobes and neck. Her hair was pulled away from her beautiful, albeit flushed, visage. I didn't know you were there, she said quietly to Vivin. Seb blinked at her, coming back to reality. He's dating Alice, and she says far worse. True, Vivin agreed, looking away from the dazzling young woman. Come on, Seb took her hand and led her down the halls hastily. He took silent pride in his wife. Every guard, male or female, stared at her as they passed. Seb, the Great Hall, Fauna protested as he led her in the opposite direction. No time. We're taking Nocte. We are not taking Nocte. Do you know how long I spent on my hair? She cried in horror. Yes, that's why we have to take him. Sebastian glanced over his shoulder and gave her the sweet smile she had so sorely been missing. She let Seb lift her onto the black opal dragon without protest. She knew her hair was being ruined as they flew from the palace and that her dress was becoming wrinkled. She didn't care. Her husband's arms embraced her tightly as she sat side-saddle on the slippery scales. She gazed up at him. His honey-brown eyes still had a sadness about them, but they were more alive than they had been in weeks. He felt her gaze on him and looked down. He kissed her ruby-red lips deeply, moments before they landed. Seb hopped off of Nocte and lifted Fauna down. He turned to hurry into the humming building, but she caught his arm. Fauna, he urged. She beckoned over Vivin and asked for his handkerchief. She wiped away the red tint from her husband's lips and returned the handkerchief. Seb scarcely took his eyes off of her as they sat in the reserved balcony box. Sure, the music was beautiful. Fauna was more so. She watched the musicians keenly, the light of the room flickering on the jewels she wore. Seb noted that the necklace he had given her, the one made from Nocte's eggshell, was wrapped around her delicate wrist like a bracelet. All of her glamour and jewels, and she still wore that old leather necklace. They had little interest in socializing after the concert, and the public understood since the family was still in mourning. Sebastian escorted her towards the carriage. Fauna tightened her grip on his arm, and he glanced down. Can we take Nocte instead? He gazed at her intently for a moment, before nodding faintly. He signaled Alice and Vivin. The patrons inside the cavernous concert hall were being withheld until the royal entourage was clear. Seb led Fauna to the opposite side of the carriage that was being held for them, hiding them from the concert hall. Guards were roaming the shadows of the streets, but the young couple didn't care. They embraced passionately. It wasn't typical of either of them to be so affectionate in public, but there was something in the air. They were free of the kids, and, for at least one night, free from stress and responsibility. They hadn't been intimate since Maria's passing. When they finally surfaced for air, they realized Nocte and the other dragons had been waiting patiently for some time. Not to mention the guards, the carriage driver, and hundreds of patrons in the concert hall. To their relief, and surprise, Lumen had gone down easily that night, and Odax was still fast asleep. 
Seb and Fauna picked up where they left off in the street. As Fauna placed her jewelry on the vanity, Seb removed his tie and shirt. He stepped behind his wife and unclasped her dress. The top half fell down to her waist, and Seb wrapped his thick arms around her bare stomach. He kissed the side of her neck, his breath hot on her skin. She slipped off her dress, and it laid in a shimmering puddle around her feet. She felt Seb move to pick her up, a precursor to carrying her to the bed. Wait, Fauna murmured. Seb's lips hovered over her silky shoulder, and he grunted softly. Hmm? Why move? She whispered, and inclined her head to the mirror that sat on the vanity. Fauna rolled over in the middle of the night and reached for Seb. His side of the bed was empty and cold. Since Maria's death, his moonlighting had resumed. Lumen hadn't slept soundly in days. The infant was completely miserable, and for a just reason, she was starting to teethe. The regents were constantly exhausted, since Lumen's discomfort caused theirs. On the fifth day of her naps being taken after wailing herself to sleep, Seb and Fauna were at their wit's end. What are we going to do? Fauna patted her daughter's back as she held her to her shoulder. Lumen had been crying for over half an hour. Seb ran a hand through his disheveled hair and shrugged. She'll get over it eventually. We're going to be dead from exhaustion by then, Fauna snapped. Vivian entered the nursery and frowned worriedly at the infant's splotchy red face. We've tried everything. They had all tried singing to her. Kyle's Ramosian songs were particularly lovely, not that Lumen cared. They tried soothers, and Felicita offered an herbal remedy. It helped, but didn't assuage the baby. Well, I do have one more idea, but I doubt you'll like it. Vivian said to Fauna as he stroked Lumen's fine blonde hair. Anything, what is it? Fauna asked hurriedly over Lumen's wailing. Vivian glanced at Seb, who looked rather dead inside. When Aura was small and had difficulty sleeping, I would take her for a ride on Kaylee. Fauna instantly shied away from Vivian and gave him a dirty look. Absolutely not! She's barely six months old! Vivian sighed and scratched the back of his neck. <sighs> Livy wasn't keen on it either, but it worked. Lulled her to sleep almost instantly every time. I bet she would have been a tamer if... The three went quiet, and Lumen choked on her tears. Poor thing. Fauna patted her back comfortingly. Well, Fawn, it's up to you. Seb stood with his hands in his pockets, and his shoulders slouched. He was too tired to try and convince her. She listened to Lumen wail for another minute before tentatively passing her to Seb. Please be careful. So don't drop her, he grumbled sarcastically. Nocte peered at the crying bundle in his tamer's arms. I think your hatchling is broken, Seb. I'm going to be broken if we don't get her to sleep. He handed the infant to Vivian while he hopped onto the saddle. No riding bareback, no taking chances. Lumen was heavily swaddled, though the spring air was becoming warmer by the day. Kaylee and Ember joined them in the skies. They didn't fly far before the baby girl ceased her crying and gazed up at her father with watery blue eyes. Hey, sweetheart, 
Zeb whispered, stroking her flushed cheek. Lumen's sweet face settled from a frown to slumber in a matter of minutes. You fixed her, Nocte used Vox Draco. I didn't fix her, you did, Seb thought happily. When they landed, he passed the infant to his wife, and she sighed with relief. Seb clasped Vivin's shoulder and admitted, I've never been more grateful in my life. Do you want to raise? Vivin chuckled, and the great tamer walked over to his dragon. He scratched Nocte's smooth jaw. Well, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of each other, buddy. Then I hope your hatchling breaks every day. Nocte's chest rumbled. Nocte came to adore Seb's kids for different reasons. The elder hatchling was noticeably happy on his back. He giggled and threw his arms into the air and made Seb laugh. The newest hatchling had a presence about her, even though she was tiny. In the moments before she fell asleep, they went for a ride or two each day, Nocte felt something of Seb emanate from her wee body. One morning shortly before lunch was served, something flew in through the window and slid across the marble floor of the common room. Seb leapt to his feet. Chirp! The pygmy dragon scrambled across the floor, and the families could hear his talons scrape the marble. Seb crouched down, and Chirp flung himself into the great tamer's chest. Did you have a good hibernation? Seb fawned. The pygmy dragon chirped enthusiastically, ignoring the wolfhounds as they sniffed their old friend. Odax ran over to his father and pointed, It's a dragon! Of course, he didn't remember Chirp from the following year, since he had been so little. Yes, Seb smiled. It's a baby dragon, Odax whispered, clasping his hands together sweetly. No, this is a pygmy dragon. That means a little dragon, Seb explained. Odax stared at the red-scaled creature and whispered again. It's a baby. Seb hung his head and Chirp agilely leapt to Seb's shoulder. With Lumen napping properly and Chirp's appearance, Sebastian's mood improved greatly. He continued to wear black and had rough days, but he was recovering from his mother's death well. Chirp became nearly his constant companion. From jogging and hunting, to working in his study, to public audiences, the little red dragon was there. He often left during dinner and didn't return until Seb and Fauna were in their room for the evening. Chirp had taken to sleeping at the foot of their bed, much to Bracken and Bramble's envy. He left with Seb each morning before dawn, and the cycle continued anew. Time passed quickly, and the end of summer came. Lord Oril had arrived after dinner one evening, and found nearly everyone in the library. He held Navali on his lap and looked around for his grandson. Felicita spoke up. Seb's... The door burst open, and in he came with Zerid over his shoulder and Odax under his opposite arm. Both were giggling. Two boys for sale, ten gold for the bigger one, five for the small. Zerid saw his grandfather, and he tried to wiggle free. Zeb set both boys on the floor, and they ran across the room. Grandfather! The prince shouted, using Elvish. He stood at the elf's knee with bright eyes. Mummy, mummy! Odax cried, running to her excitedly. I did a poop! A big boy one? Yes. She picked up her son and kissed his cheek in praise. Felicita explained to her father with a slight blush, We are training the boys at the same time. Seb's been spearheading the project. A difficult task? 
the Elvish king asked, unfazed by the topic. He had heard everything by his age, far more than once. Seb shook his head, his thumbs hooked in his belt loops. Not for a natural teacher like myself. Alice snorted from across the room, and Fauna gazed at him unimpressed. Well, you forgot to teach him to button his pants, she said while doing up the top button for Odax. Sebastian shrugged. How important is that, really? Grandpa, I'm going to read Valley a story now, Sarid explained, disappearing to find a book. Which story are you choosing? Lord Oral asked in Romofsian. She likes this one. Sarid swapped to the elvish language effortlessly. Can you put her down, please? He watched them for a moment. The little prince had pillows arranged near the fireplace for his sister. Nivali was too tired by this time of day to toddle away. Sarid opened the book. It was a thin children's novel, written in Elvish. Felicitas spoke to her father in the same. You haven't a clue how difficult it's been teaching the boys two languages. Vali is a quick study. Her vocabulary is impressive for her age. You were taught three languages from Zerid's age. You jumbled the words more often than not, Lord Oriel recalled. He felt something hit his boot. He glanced down and saw Lumen taking an interest in him. Hello, little one. He switched back to Rhydonian and lifted her to his lap. She won't sit for long. She's always on the move, Fauna smiled. The infant touched his soft robes with her little hands. She was two months shy of her first birthday. Her eyes were a wonderful bright blue, and her fine hair was golden. Her skin was a touch darker than the other royal children, as if she had a tan. Around her wrist was a more delicate version of Odax's silver bracelet. Lord Oriel had given her the woven bracelet to celebrate her birth, just as he had done with Odax. She'll be the youngest first step, Felicitas said affirmatively, and Valley had the youngest first word. Who will be the youngest to tame a dragon, King Alor? Seb cracked his knuckles and nodded to Lumen. My bet is on her. Lumen heard his voice and asked for Dada. He crossed between the settees and lifted her into his arms, giving her a kiss on the cheek. Your reasoning. Seb smiled faintly sitting down next to Fauna and Odax. Intuition. The toddler scooched between his parents' laps and wrapped his arms around his little sister. Seb and Fauna couldn't have looked prouder of the pair. Odie, do you want to help Mummy play piano? Fauna stroked her son's soft brown hair. Yeah! He shouted and pushed himself off of their laps. Felicita and her father enjoyed a pleasant conversation in their native tongue while Seb amused his daughter. Fauna pointed to the notes Odax needed to hit on the keys. The little boy had surprising focus. Lumen giggled with glee as Seb rubbed her little bare feet on his beard, tickling her. Felicita shook her head and laughed. Lord Oriel could hardly believe he had seen the same person mercilessly strike down his foes, especially when Seb pretended to eat her feet. Lumen was having a giggle fit, and so were Felicita and Seb. The Cayenne would undoubtedly be in a state of disbelief to see their leader playing with the infant, laughing so hard he was nearly crying. Lumen reached for her father's beard as he carefully placed her warm socks on her feet. Seb lowered his face so she could touch the wiry hair. The love between the father and the daughter is one of the most precious things, is it not? Felista murmured to Lord Oral. Yes, my dear. 
he stroked her curly hair and a rare sign of outward affection between them. Lord Oral, would you like to join me for a nightcap in my study? I have meetings the entire morning tomorrow. Yes, a fine idea. The elf stood and told his daughter he would check on the children later. Seb passed Lumen to the elvish princess, and the kings went off. Alone, Lord Uro saw the differences in the young man more noticeably. All traces of his earlier joy were gone. He poured their brandy silently, when he would usually be striking conversation. His movements seemed slower and less rushed. After the Rhydonian king was seated, Lord Oral began, I would like to extend my sincerest condolences and sorrow at the passing of your mother. Seb inclined his head, taking a sip of the amber liquid. The elf added, She was a truly lovely human, one of the kindest I have ever met. Thank you, Seb said quietly. His eyes were downcast. May I ask where she rests? I wish to pay my respects. Sebastian glanced at the darkened windows to the south. Her ashes are just outside of Deep Creek and the Vergolta Forest, next to my father. He said the word ashes with a touch of annoyance. It's a considerable journey. One well worth making, the elvish king said gently. Seb met his eyes. The great tamer appeared grateful. Thank you. It means a lot. She had become a rather dear friend. He trailed off. It was always the way with humans. As soon as you grew fond of them, they would die in the blink of an eye. He had learned that many, many moons ago. Zay is starting his formal education after Valley's birthday. Seb changed the subject, evidently still feeling the loss deeply. Odie will start the following year. The ladies will be teaching the children music, and our family friend will be teaching them dance. The boys as well. The elf took a sip of the smooth Vigosian brandy. Seb nodded. They seem to think it will be beneficial. And Laura is a wonderful woman. They'll be in excellent hands. I have no doubt. He watched Seb closely. The sadness and darkness in his eyes was faint. However, it was discomforting. He was most likely doing far better than he was a few months ago, but nevertheless. So, how are the goblins treating the dwarves? Seb swapped the topic again, and their conversation continued for well over an hour. Ryan and Laura brought over Lillian the following day for a visit. The pretty little girl ran over to the prince's and the private common room. Zay's girlfriend, Fauna joked lightly. Wouldn't they be adorable? Felicita gushed. Lord Oriel refrained from rolling his eyes. He walked over to the married couple and greeted Laura directly. I heard that you will be teaching the children dance. Yes, your majesty, I will be, Laura replied. Her gaze held steady under his well-meaning scrutiny. Is it your profession? It is. My husband, Ryan, is a junior captain of the guard here, and I teach multiple forms of dance to all ages. Laura glanced at her daughter, who was playing pretend on the rug with the princes. I toured for a while when I was younger, but after I met Ryan, I decided to teach. Lord Oro thought quietly. And dance benefits the boys how, may I ask? An intelligent flash crossed her eyes. Dance isn't female-exclusive. 
It teaches athletics, calisthenics, aerobics, discipline, and focus. Should I go on? She smiled. Seb strode into the room before the king could reply. Hey, Rye. He clasped Ryan's shoulder and stooped to kiss Laura's cheek. Seb, you joining us? Ryan asked, eager for someone to distract the conversation. Uh, I can't. I'm in between meetings. I just wanted to say hi. The children ran over and tugged at his legs. What do you hatchlings want? Seb crouched down with a grin. They begged him to play, and Seb had to turn them down. I miss you, Uncle Seb, Lillian said shyly. Seb pet her glossy, light brown hair. Maybe I can stay for a minute, but that's it. As he ran off with the kids, Vivian groaned. <sighs> Ryan chuckled. <laughs> I'll grab him when you need to go. Vivian checked his watch with a trace of a smile. We needed to be there five minutes ago. Seb had a kid over each shoulder, stomping around dramatically after the third and roaring. He's getting better, Laura said softly. Ryan nodded in agreement. He took it quite poorly, Lord Earl pried. To say the least. Ryan often had dreams, even nightmares, about the day of Maria's death. I had him out with the boys for tamer ball practice as often as I could this summer. I think it helped. He has his good days and bad days, Vivian murmured, checking his watch again. Seb, you're killing me. Come on. Lillian was dangling from Seb's neck, and the boys sat on his feet, clinging to his legs. We won't let him go, she cried. Ryan grinned and pulled his daughter from his best friend's neck. With promise of play later, the princess released the king, and he hurried off to the meeting he was quite late for. Over the winter months, the Dragon Tamers Council's main focus became Arthur and Liam's project. The black market campaign needed more bodies dedicated to intelligence gathering. Art had become somewhat unstable after Maria's death, resuming his smoking habit, but thankfully not drinking. The council had Tamers scattered across Rhydon in an attempt to crack down on the illicit activities. They hoped to locate the largest ring by spring and send in a raid. The beginning of the year passed, and Zaraid and Odax turned three and four years old. Nivali turned two in March, with a visit from Lord Oril to celebrate. April came, and Seb grew restless of the black market campaign. A large amount of gold was being spent on the assignment, and they had had minor victories. Rings had been busted in three major cities. However, from what the council had gathered, the crime lord at the forefront had not been captured. That was their primary goal his capture, and the elimination of the illegal dragon market. An extortionate amount of gold was spent on buying dragon scales, teeth, bones, liver, and it angered Sebastian like nothing else. Vivin stepped into Seb's study as the young man was ruffling his hair, running his eyes over countless papers and documents. Seb. What? Vivin waited for the regent to look up. His eyes were reddened with bags under his eyes. He hadn't been sleeping. He had been far too focused, Vivian would say obsessed, with the black market operation. Not to mention, the first anniversary of Maria's death upset him greatly. What would you like for your birthday this year? 
Seb glared at him. You're disturbing me for that? Vivin calmly took the pitcher of water from the sideboard and walked over to Seb's bureau. He angled it to pour over the documents. You wouldn't, Seb frowned. These are official. You can't. Vivin let a drop of water hit the papers. Seb gathered them in his arms defensively. Don't be an asshole. What would you like for your birthday? For you to leave me alone. Vivin poured more onto the desk, making Seb cry out in aggravation. Ugh! Vivin said, You need to take a break. Your birthday is next week. I'm close, Vivin. I've been reading these reports, compiling the facts. Seb hung his head at Vivin's narrowed eyes. You need to shave. You look like a barbarian, Vivin grimaced. Seb's beard was several inches long and rather unkempt. Seb shrugged. Fauna likes that. I give her what she wants. What she wants is for you to work less. Vivin grumbled, unimpressed. Seb massaged his temples and backed away from his desk. All right, I will. For a while. So what would you like? Sebastian folded his arms across his chest. Two things. Vivin inclined his head and listened. I want a two-day hunting trip in the mountains. That's one thing. The other thing. Seb pursed his lips. I want to add tattoos to my arm. Vivin blinked, thrown off. You what? More tattoos. My dragon is lonely. Seb patted where the tattoo on his deltoid was. Okay. Alice and I will get that for you then. Whatever it comes to. You don't have to. You know we will. And the hunting trip is no problem. I told Ryan you wanted to go to the pub tonight, by the way. That was nice of you. Seb suppressed a yawn. He'd rather nap than go pubbing. You should get a tattoo with me. Mm. Better yet, you should get a tattoo of me. Get my name across your ass. Seb teased. Vivin was relieved that some of his old humor remained through his exhaustion. Alice would be rather jealous. Seb smirked, and they headed out of the stuffy study. A month later, a messenger burst into the private common room. The personal guards leapt to their feet and threw their weapons, startling the children. What are you doing? Seb growled as Fauna comforted Lumen. There are little ones in here. I'm sorry, sir. I have an urgent message from Arthur Millfield. The messenger was breathless. Seb and Vivin exchanged a look and nodded to Alice. The three of them hurried into the hall. What is it? Seb asked quietly. He's found the den, sir, on the outskirts of Baskintown. He said it is a far larger operation than believed and would like your consultation. There's no need. I'll go to him. Seb began to walk away and Vivin grabbed his arm. Absolutely not. This is too high risk for the regent to participate. Sebastian narrowed his eyes. Never forget that I am the great tamer before the king. He pulled himself free and continued down the corridor. Alice and Vivin jogged after him. You're a father before you're anything else, Seb. You have no idea the danger associated with these bandits. Please stop patronizing me. Seb huffed over his shoulder. This concerns my dragons. I'm going. 
You can come with me, or stay where it's safe. Alice rolled her eyes. We are going with you, for Cayenne's sake. Seb ordered the next guard he saw to tell his wife to meet him in the Great Hall. Fauna knew it was pointless to beg him to stay. He would go. She held Lumen in her arms, and Odax stood next to her, patiently awaiting his father. Seb and their personal guards strode into the room with heavy bags over their shoulders. Daddy! Odax yelled. Seb scooped him up with his free arm and hastily explained the situation to Fauna. They had been discussing it for months. It was no surprise to her that he was leaving. He gave each of them a kiss and set Odax on the ground. Wherever I go, however far, for however long, I'm always going to come back to you. I promise. Seb kissed his wife again. You'd better. She held Lumen tighter to her chest, but the light in Seb's eyes indicated he was already elsewhere, somewhere far away from the palace and his family. Thanks for listening to Chapter 47 of A Dragon Tamer's Fable, and thank you for supporting the podcast so far. I hope you're enjoying it. If you are, please share, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews help more people find the podcast, so it's a huge help. And if you're able to give a DTF an extra hand, please check out the merch and support tabs on the website. To stay up to date on content, check out a DTF podcast on Instagram or Facebook. As always, feel free to email dragontamerpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so don't be shy. Until next time, keep slaying anything but dragons. <laughs>